Hello, food world. It's Robert Crutchfield, your favorite foodie friend from Crutchfield Cooks, here with another episode of Crutchfield Cooks, the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something that's a little more interesting than you would think. We're going to talk to David Jones, chief product officer and founder with Thrilling Foods. Thrilling Foods has one of the only patented products in the plant-based meat space. And the first product they have is their bacon product. Now, don't go away too fast. As you'll find out over the next half hour, one of the things that makes this unique is it's plant-based bacon designed by people who actually like bacon. Let's get to it. Yeah, you said something about you had quite a few, you said you had quite a few meetings or something going on. Yeah. Ever since I got back from Singapore, it seems to have been really busy. But thanks well, for Hopefully that. that's a good thing. Yes, it business is. Business or vacation in Singapore. Uh, it was business, but I did take a few days just because I have an old and long history with Singapore and Asia from previous work and travel. So I just wanted to check the old place out again. Sure. Wow. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get things started for the rest of everybody. If you want to start by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your company and how it got started, we'll take it from there. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm David Jones, and I am the CPO and founder. CPO is Chief Products Officer. That's really the best place for me, Thrilling Foods. And that's a company that I started several years ago based on the fact that I needed a name for a company to make the bacon, to continue to make the bacon that I had made for myself at first. I was trying to go vegetarian, vegan, reduce meat out of my diet. And my girlfriend was a big part of that. She's vegetarian her whole life almost. And in trying some of the alternative meats and things, when I'd miss meat, I was really unhappy about what was out there. And certainly the ingredients uh, were not appealing and so forth. And I just set off on my own to do it for myself because I've been a lifelong cook ever since I was four years old, had a love affair with the kitchen. I developed a product just for myself that was so good that friends and family started asking for it. And so it goes to where I realized, hey, this could be a fun business. And uh, I was a television producer before that and doing really well, but this was COVID. And there wasn't a lot of television production business going on, but there were a lot of people that wanted to eat a plant-based bacon. So I followed the call. And, I hear uh, you. I hear you. And it, I know when I first saw the uh, the pitch that led to this discussion, it, it hit home with me because in, I could go ahead and say so because it's publicly known. I Back in October, I suffered my second heart attack. So obviously I'm making a lot of changes to my diet and whatnot personally. And when I go to do podcast episodes and whatnot, I have come to understand that I might as well multiply myself by a million because anything that interests me probably, probably interests at least a million other people. I'm yeah. highly unlikely to be the only person that had a heart attack in October. I saw a few others when I was in the hospital, so I know for a fact that there were at least a couple. Right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I was in a very good hospital, which is good, but important. Uh, but 
I just know that there are a lot of people that are looking for this product. Now, can you tell us a little bit, because I know, among other things, that bacon, with a K, is patented. It's so unique. And we'll get back to that in a little bit. But can you, for the sake of our listeners, can you tell them more of the full story about what makes this plant-based bacon different than the other 57 different kinds that they've tried? Right. I guess the key reason is I tried them over and over. And during this process of development, I continued to try all the new bacons made with rice and konjac and so many ideas. And they're all based on what can you do with a giant pot, filling it with powder and extruding it and classic, highly processed food production things. I, I, I'm, I'm, if anything, I'm a food lover. And so I really don't like foods that fall short of what they claim to be or intend to be. I'm super, super picky. So I didn't like any of those plant-based bacons. And uh, as a cook, I'm in my name on it, and this is something I'm offering to people, that's my language of love. I certainly did not want to take the approach to, all right, what kind of powders can we put together in a hopper and make the most money from in this white space called bacon, a plant-based bacon? That is not my approach at all. I did it for me and for my loved ones and my family, and I wanted to do it in the most healthy way. And so... After looking at all those protein powders and isolates and where the state of the art is and why that wouldn't work and why it can't even be rescued or made better, I just started from scratch. Let's look around what is traditional that could provide us with a healthy food that's going to be like fat and protein, because that's what bacon is. Those are the macronutrients, fat and protein. And so where's the healthy protein? Where's the healthy fats? How can I make a fatty bacon that fries on its own and really everything kept leading me to tofu which has had zero innovation for hundreds of years tofu today in the grocery store is the exact same thing that it was 300 years ago it's soybeans and water and a coagulant and that's it not even salt because if you do one little thing to tofu it may not make or excuse me to soy milk prior to tofu it may not make tofu and i found that out i thought it was all the same tofu pardon I thought it was just the same tofu for the last 300 years kind of like the old exactly. it's kind of like the old irma bombeck joke about there was only six fruit cakes in the entire world everybody just exchanges them every other christmas yeah it is so what's in the grocery store today tofu it's still the same what i was trying to do was see if it could be modified so humorously i started with marinating it right and found out Again, as was reminded again, like everyone is, nothing will penetrate a block of tofu. It is impermeable. It actually sheds water. It's hydrophobic. So it's trying to shed water. So it's not really a very absorptive thing. I marinated for a week and would cut the block open, certain ingredients I would cut the block open and see if it penetrated. No. And so I realized I need to not only learn to make tofu, but once I learn to make tofu really well, then I can experiment on what you can do to change and enhance and modify tofu. So that's where all the work was, all these failures. No, you can't do that. No, you can't modify that. No, you can't add that. Sure can't add that either until finding out what I could add and when. And that's what ended up being patented, all that work um, that no one else had ever done before. And it's leading us to a lot of future products based on the same concepts, the same 
ways that you can add fats, you can add these flavors. Yeah, I would think so. It fascinated me when I was looking through the promotional material or whatnot. I didn't even know about the whole tofu thing. What I saw was it talked about this uh, unique way you have about how the fat renders as it cooks. That was the part that fascinated me. And of course, that's not pork specific as far as something that that technology and as far as your product development moving forward. I could see certainly uh, you doing beef-like products the same way, even lamb-like products. But I like what you've been saying because I'm like you. I'm a food guy. I'm a carnivore. Never pretended different. Now, of course, like I said, I've got certain health issues and whatnot, like a lot of people, that's forcing me to rethink what I eat. But the problem I've always had if you even want to call it that, with the plant-based movement, is it seems like the plant-based movement is made up of people that don't like meat. That's one of yeah. the things that excites me about Thrilling Foods is it's one of the things that I personally have been looking for is a plant-based product company made up of people who love to eat, people who like meat, people who, like you say, they... You said it. I've heard it from culinary people over and over again, whether it be from chefs or people on the manufacturing side or whatever. We don't cook for people to make our stomachs full. We cook for people to create an experience to bring them happiness. And while the other plant-based products on the market may well fill a person up, they may be nutritionally sufficient i can eat them from now till doomsday they're not going to make me happy they're not going to make me excited about dinner time that's the difference i see between the rest of the plant-based movement and thrilling foods trying to do yeah there's no explaining it always it's like watching such a terrible movie and saying why did they even go forward with that script that script was terrible it is the same i'll go eat a product that's intended to be a substitute an analog type product i just think Wow, who all got together and said this was market ready? <laughs> this doesn't taste good. And I've joked around a little bit because people may not like that, that I wasn't a vegan since birth and I struggled to get there and it's been off and on and something I'm learning. But it, it, I did make actual pork bacon at one time in my life. Um, but it may be that's what it takes. Someone like me coming here as a flexitarian, as someone who's embracing vegetarianism and veganism is that I know how to make bacon. I know that it must be cured. The difference between a side of pork and a side of bacon is it's been cured. And there's no one today that's making basically a cured plant-based bacon, except for us. It's a lot of shortcuts and, and things like that. So anyway, I'm pleased to play a role this way, but that's where I come from, is from cooking. And I did have a meat-centric past as a Texan. But that also makes it to where I was trying to satisfy my taste buds. I was trying to satisfy what I know, what my cravings were. And once I did, I was ready to go to market with that. Sure, absolutely. And, of course, we talked a little bit about the, the patent process and whatnot. I wish we could make the people that are listening understand how unique that is, especially in the plant-based scheme of things. It's almost unheard of. 
yeah. And I thought we were going to be turned down, but we worked with the patent office to change the words that they had a problem with that, that weren't important to us. So we had a little scare there, but then once we did that, they said, okay, to the whole thing, which was rather miraculous. And we were informed by our patent company, Hey guys, this is miraculous that you got your entire patent. But I, I also think it's based on the fact that tofu technology, not only, as I say, has been, there's no innovation. It's based on super tradition. The tofu today is the tofu of 200 years ago, no change. And if anything, they tried to take fat out and use a defatted soy meal to make tofu from. Those are where the innovations were, try to make it a lower fat tofu. That's it. And so when we come along making a higher fat tofu, we're definitely the only ones there. That, it's like you were talking about your background making bacon. I'm not entirely sure that the people you're talking about understand fat. All fat's not the same either. You and I as meat people, we understand that the fat, the inter or intramuscular fat, regular, rather, that actually runs through the muscle, what we would normally call marbling, is unsaturated fat. It's the same fat as in olive oil. It makes the meat more tender and it makes the meat more flavorful, but health-wise, it's not the fat that's bad for you. Now, the fat it's that's not bad for you lies between the muscles. Yeah, the viscera fat. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. It's the visceral fat that's the saturated fat. That's the bad fat. Yeah. So if your meat is properly trimmed and prepared, you could actually mitigate those concerns without eliminating the fat. Yeah. And it's fascinating that the way the fat in bacon is protein bound, it's held within a protein network. Yes. Similar to way the way lipids are held in protein structures in an animal, it's renderable. The longer you cook it, the more from the outside heading in, the more it will render. And so people will ask me, how many calories are in a bacon strip? It depends on how long you cook it, because the longer you cook it, the more fat renders out. And fat is where a lot of the high calories are. And the cholesterol for that matter. But that's different than today's grinds, where they put coconut fat in there. And when that entire patty reaches a certain temperature where coconut fat melts, which is pretty low, it all just runs and doesn't stay there as well as a true fat-bound lipid does. So it's unique, and we're hoping that we can use that, as you were saying, to help produce fats for a number of different applications that do render and act naturally. Oh, this whole process you got going on as far as the plant-based meats rendering the fat, like I said, that, that whole thing just fascinates me, partly because of what you're saying. What you're talking about is the denaturization process where the protein molecules, they start basically overlapped and then they relax, which releases the, uh, the fat, among other things. And they get to a state where they're intertwined, almost in a tic-tac-toe type structure by the time the meat is cooked. And it just fascinates me, but I also have a lot of respect for the fact that you and your company have, uh, as meat lovers, you've gone through the process of actually looking at all these steps and looking at, okay, what's happening for, to the fat and the different things during these steps? And how do we 
leverage on that to make a product that a food lover and a meat lover in particular would enjoy. Being, we're trying to be that smart, as smart as you're making us sound. We're, we're working at that every day now. But originally, it was more like a discovery. Wow, look what's happening here. That's amazing. Okay, right track. Let's keep working on that. And it was really a surprise. It's not like we had food scientists that figured this all out on paper and said, let's go do this. It's born of a kitchen and of trying a million things like the monkeys on the typewriters would one day. Yeah, sure. Of course, at the same time, similar to your situation, part of the reason I know what I know, I'm not a food scientist either. A lot of what I know about food, I learned at the culinary school at the School of Hard Knocks. Yeah. One of those, one of the classes I took there involved 14 minutes, 14 months rather, working at a meat and seafood counter, which in a way was a much better education because I was actually dealing with the meat. I was actually dealing with the meat cutters and going between the meat cutters and the customers. And it's okay. The customer wants this. How do we get the customer this? And I'm bringing in other stuff that I know from other study, other different things. And there's like a melding of expertise that goes on in that process in a very practical way that I'm not sure I'm not better off not being a food scientist. You did learn by doing, you learn by seeing, you saw it. Nobody could argue out of it. You saw it, you experienced it. The rest is hearsay. You know, what you get exactly. to a book, it's hearsay. That's the real knowledge. Doing Let's it. talk a little bit. Let's talk about the, uh, the bacon, the product we're talking about right now. It's in what, about 200 stores right now? Yeah, over 200 stores and restaurants. Can you give us some examples that, that people might see driving around the street where they might, I don't know, pick up a pack? <laughs> in, in L.A., it's in all the Erewhon stores. Uh, I think there's 14 of them. In Portland, it's in all New Seasons and all Market of Choice stores. Those are the major grocery store chains. And the rest of it's really super spotty restaurants and small towns. Like we're in Hawaii. We're at the health food stores, there's like three of them that carry our product. Sure. And it's spotty because all of those, what they have in common is they reached out to us saying, hey, we understand you have this bacon. Can we get some, please? And we said, okay, sure. And we ship direct because our distribution, uh, when you work with distributors, they want massive amounts of the stuff and it needs to be able to sit on pallets and go bad and be trashed. And it's just the big food business. And sure. we, we have been too small for that. So we've been doing self-distribution and we have a relationship with Chef Warehouse Pro Vista, who's our first distributor, who's distributing it very carefully, first regionally and so forth. So really just getting started with the distribution game. It's uh, About how many, I know you're working on putting in your third plant. My understanding is that third plant is going to produce about 2,000 pounds a day, I think it is, or? Yeah, it's a 10 times factory. We have one commercial kitchen, then we had to get another one. And now we shuttle product between the two and originate the meat product here, smoke and package it here. We have a second shift that's just come on successfully. Last night, as a matter of fact, was our first second shift. But so all that continue to ramp up. But in the meantime, we are looking to build a 15,000 square foot facility that is custom made for us with everything that you need. And that'll be sometime this year, 2023, sorry, next year coming online. 2022 is pretty much done. So it pretty much, much is this year. <laughs> we don't want to forget to mention the website because of course, if you don't have a chef warehouse in the neighborhood, you can go ahead and just order direct from you guys off the website. And there you, you go. Can, 
But there's also a little handy fine bacon near me, and it may be that you are in a town like Austin or somewhere that has some grocery stores that do have our products. So you can look up fine bacon near me too. If you just need to have it right now, you might be able to go out and get some. When it comes to marketing, immediate gratification is definitely a thing. So I didn't know about the find the bacon tool. That's a good thing. <laughs> find the bacon. So, so somebody was, was thinking that day. We have good days. As my wife would say, every once in a while, a squirrel gets a nut. Let's see. So we covered that. We covered that. So are you going to, uh, you mentioned the size and you mentioned some of the challenges working to distributors. Are you going to be working? Are you go, So are you going to be a direct sales type company for the near future? Or? I Yeah, I imagine until we get some more blanket distribution, we're going to bring on a third party that will do a lot of the fulfillment that that we're driving dear Heather crazy with right now. She's our operations manager, takes care of all the shipping and it's getting crazy. So we've got a hundred orders today to get out and we're backed up. And so we'll probably try to stay with direct to consumer as, as long as we need to, to where people can get bacon if they'd like to have it. So we consider ourselves a public service. Sure. And before we, before we wrap it up completely, I want to circle back around and you can't eat the bacon if you can't cook it. And one of the things I understand about your product is there's no real learning curve involved. You yourself mentioned you, you dealt with actual pork bacon. That's why you can create the, pr the product that you have. When I say no learning curve involved, is I, my understanding is one of the things that customers are going to appreciate is that your bacon cooks like the bacon we're used to. So there is no, okay, you cook it 20% less, you cook it 20% lower temperature. You basically just say, oh, look, it's bacon. Throw it in the pan and go to town. It's still a fascinating subject. Number one, a lot of people who buy our product have clearly never even cooked pork bacon. So they have no idea how to cook pork, pork bacon. Number one, like we, in, when you throw something in a hot skillet, and it sticks, whether it be fish or a piece of meat or bacon or our bacon, you know, people tend to panic and want to just start chiseling it away and destroying it and getting frustrated because they're not used to the Maillard reaction, you know, that it sticks, it takes a while, then it shrinks and itself releases just as long as your skillet's not too hot. You won't have burned it. It'll be perfect. But very few people actually seem to understand this, it seems. So we'll suggest, why don't you just stick it in the oven on parchment paper if you don't have any experience with Maillard reaction and so forth. It does fry in its own fat. It is going to shrink and you're going to flip it over and going to shrink. And the thing that a lot, the other thing that kind of cracks me up is people would say, oh, that doesn't cook crispy enough or it's too crispy. But that's a function of the time that you cook it, just like with regular bacon. And so we have to give them this sort of little handy dandy rule that is if you pick it up and you think it's ready and it has a very deep arch, that won't be very crispy. It'll be very chewy but not very crispy. And if it's straight across when you pick it up, that's going to be so crispy, it'll be shattering like a potato chip. But if you want it both chewy and crispy, the classic bacon texture, why don't you get just a little gentle eyebrow arch? And we hand that out as advice on our cooking, the tutorial and all of that, because there does seem to be a challenge for quite a few people to just get the uh, cooking done. Well, and another advantage from the cooking standpoint of it is just like regular bacon, you can not only fry it, but you can cook it in the oven. You can even make millionaire bacon, which is something out of San Francisco where they'll sprinkle brown sugar 
and ginger and hot chili all over it and charge five times as much for it because you're eating millionaire bacon. And it's it's but you can do that. Okay. I don't think we actually mentioned that website. If you want to go ahead and give that out. It's thrillingfoods.com. T-H-R-I-L-I-N-G, thrillingfoods.com. And um, you can reach out and say hi to us. There's a little way to communicate with us. Just drop us a line. Tell us you love us or you wish for different products. We're coming out with more as soon as we can. It's always a good thing, right? It is. That's why we go to the farmer's market. We'll go to these shows. I cooked two days ago for six hours straight, served 600 people or so. And it is so energizing to see all these happy faces and bacon recognition eyebrows going up and some people even cussing with joy. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, food's supposed to be fun, right? Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> fun and pleasurable and not harmful. And so that's our thing is to be the vegan 2.0 company. Good for you, good for the planet. Yeah, that and be the vegan people for meat lovers. You can say that. That's why we're thrilled. That's the part I like because, like I said, so much of the vegan movement seems to be made up of people that don't like meat anyway. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're vegan. They don't like it. So that is changing and people are unaware of how much is changing. Restaurateurs are unaware of how much is changing. Two-thirds of our repeat buyers identify as meat eaters. And that's remarkable. And when you serve, we've seen from working with those restaurants and our product that it's about the same for them that that two-thirds of the people who are ordering vegetarian dishes at a restaurant who will be so kind as to offer a number of vegetarian-type things and vegan-type things, the people who order those dishes aren't necessarily vegetarian or vegan. They're flexitarians who today are just trying to do a better job at eating, a more conscientious or more health-conscious or globally conscious or harm-free effort. Yeah, or people like myself who the years have caught up with and your health is the issue, it's, but you still want to enjoy your food. You still want the flavors, the textures, the aromas that you're used to. That's right. Mexican food is so great. You get a bean burrito and some oh, don't guacamole with chips. Boom. I and think we about covered it up there, David. Very good. I'm about I ready to talking. wrap it up and I certainly appreciate your time. Let the editing guy, fun. let the editing guy have his way with it and see if we, my goal is to try and get this out tomorrow. Gotcha. Very good. But that when you're dealing with technology, sometimes the technology seems to think it's in charge. And so certainly when we got it all wrapped up, I'll, I'll be shooting you and Peter the, the link for whatever use you want to put it to. Great. I appreciate it very much. We appreciate you, David. Well, I'm waiting you. to hear about those new, uh, other products, man. Yeah, go we'll get, go, just, go get yeah. in the kitchen and figure it out. <laughs> very good. Sounds great. Love Thank you, David. Adios. 30 minutes and we're done again already. Where does the time go? But David and I got you thinking about plant-based bacon more than ever now, didn't we? Be sure and join us next time for a whole new episode of Crutchfield Cooks, the podcast. Because you never know who may show up or what we're going to talk about. Until next time.